Welcome back to the Untitled Movie Review Show. Um, this week again, we after the Matrix debacle or debacle, whatever the word is, which was absolutely horrible. Um, we are now reviewing The Kingsman, which um, came out very recently. Um, I believe it was a, is it the third one, uh, the third film in that universe? Yeah, it's a third film in that universe, but this is a prequel, mm. and it's it's set around um, I believe the First World War. World War. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it really looks at the formation of the group. Um, I I so we have two views here. I think Aaron's watched all the pre uh, previous films, and I haven't. Yep. This is my first one, and so you'll get a flavor of you know what it's like on both sides. But maybe Aaron, you can like start off, give us the outline of the beginning of the story. Right. So um, obviously, if you've watched the prequels, you know that sorry, the uh, previous movies, you know that uh, there's a secret organization which is kind of like a spy organization that works separate from mi5 and everything like that um it's called the kingsman and uh basically they they're like a super secret uh you know spy network and this movie kind of explains where they've started off from and how they came to be um and so you start off with uh, one of the characters the main character in this played by Ralph Fiennes, Fiennes, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but he's uh, he's in Oxford uh, and he's taken his son to go see a, a general uh, during a time of war with his wife. It was the Boer War, wasn't it? I, I believe it was the Boer War, which again, we'll get into it, I guess, um, going forward. But it kind of, um, I really did enjoy the the way that they they included all of these historic events within this movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, he's the Duke of Oxford and he's taken his uh, wife and child to go and see um, uh, Charles Dance's character, uh, who's a general, uh, his name is Arthur something. Uh, I've forgotten the name of the, uh, the character, but uh, they go to see him during the Boer War. His wife gets shot. Um, she passes away. Very sad beginning to the film. She, you know, you, you got... Uh, Digimon Honsu playing Shola, who's like their right-hand man. And you've got Gemma Arterton playing uh, Polly, who is the kind of maid for the family. And yeah, it just kind of shows the starting point for this family. So the Duke of Oxford and his son, Conrad, they, you know, they've lost their wife slash mother. And it just kind of shows how they get from that point to creating the Kingsman which we see in the first two movies you see in that scene i did not expect the shooting it caught me very much off guard and i like when films do that when they start off like you know kind of you're intrigued by their characters at least on my perspective because i don't know the characters you're trying to find out what the dynamic is and then bang something happens do you know i mean it's like reaction mode i I really appreciated that kind of dimension and very quickly you find out um what's his name the uh um the duke not the Duke, the the other character, the one that was protecting the kid. Oh, Shola. It's, uh, yeah, Shola. Shola. Yeah. Shola, you find out right away he's a bad man because he just comes out with his knife. Do you know what I mean? Shanks, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, just yeah, jumps he out, shoots the sniper, isn't it? Yeah. Chefs him up, yeah. And I was like, okay, I understand now. Do you know what I mean? You start to get the feel very early on, but in a very dramatic way, and I really like that. Um, you know what it is with this movie that I think it just needs to be pointed out immediately? Hmm. At any moment, anyone can get clapped. You know what I mean? So you like it, it leaves you on the edge of your seat. And I like movies like that because you know, most of the time when you have a prequel, what happens is they include characters that were there in the original movies. 
Mm. And so you know that, well, okay, if this is a prequel and it happened before, then I know this guy isn't going to die. Exactly, yeah. But with this film, obviously, again, I've mentioned this in our Matrix review. What I liked is because they didn't have the same characters from the original and they only just hinted at them, yeah, it, it meant that, yeah, it, it, it just gives them freedom. They can build as they want and anyone can die at any moment. And I think the mother dying at the beginning was, as you said, such a random thing to happen that you just were like, oh, shit, like anyone can get clapped off in this film. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was a very good start to the film. As you said, it set the tone of the film as well. So I, I really liked the introduction scene. And I even like the part where... Uh, Conrad, who is the Duke of Oxford's son at the time, and he's speaking to his mum, and his mum kind of just says, like, look, we come from a place of privilege, and, you know, with privilege, we have to do certain things. And throughout the movie, that was kind of the tone where they made sure to point out that, you know, yes, wealthy people are wealthy, but uh, there was even a scene with the Duke of Oxford where he kind of said, like, you know, we became gentlemen by doing bad things in the past, so Mm. we need to now you know, do certain good things. I like. I just like the way that they approached it as a whole. Yeah, I um, agree. It wasn't like a classist thing. It wasn't like, oh, we're, we're just better because we're rich. Like they were, you know, they were... They I mean, were they, they, they hinted the that, that there's... They hinted that the class thing, like, does exist. And, Absolutely, um, yeah. Which I like the way they've done it, though. Yeah, it was, it was very, very good. So, that, like, there was an admission that there is class. But at the beginning, she wanted to discourage that. But it's it's quite interesting, even in that beginning scene, you know, when she's dying... She mm. tells her husband, like, I don't want my son to ever see war, which is, again, it's kind of like a backtrack on what she said earlier, because to do that, she's going to leverage her class, right? To, exactly. To yeah. prevent that. So it's like an interesting, you know, they're, they're basically fighting between what they really want. You know, they, they want to talk about fairness, but at the same time, this classism does still exist. And as mm. the film progresses, you see they, you know, they're always fighting against whether to do the right thing or to do the best things for themselves. So... Uh, yeah, in I fact, like in fact, I like the part where um, so the Duke of Oxford kind of is explained his explaining to his son why he's a pacifist and so on, and he kind of explains how he was he also had like a Red Cross or something, um, and the reason why he got it, uh, not the Red Cross, but he got he got some sort of medal for valor, the Iron Cross, the Iron right. Cross, yeah, and he said uh, he said like I was basically at a war and I was killing people, but those people were just trying to protect their homes and stuff like that. So again, it was giving you kind of the, it wasn't just, it wasn't like a two dimensional story, if that makes sense. Mm. And there's a lot of commentary on history. Like, because obviously it was talking about, you know, the war, because it shows them in India, basically fighting against, and we knew, we know obviously it's hearkening back to the colonial regimes. And um, obviously Britain has a big history in, in that continent, especially in India. And it's it's social commentary of like saying, you know, this happened, but at the same time, it was very wrong. But we are profiting off it, you Mm. know, even currently now. But even though they are, they they acknowledge it's wrong. So it's really, really good. I I really enjoyed that that angle that they kept. They always kept in the film. Um, But very soon you find out he's not a pacifist. (laughs) Yeah, well, when when he needs to be, he is not. Um, And yeah, so like, should we just talk a little bit about... um what the general general story is i guess of this yeah yeah let's 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 go through so basically what happens is there's a there's a shadowy figure uh called the shepherd and he has all of history's bad people uh, kind of working for him uh and what he's trying to do is destroy all the empires so he's trying to destroy the british empire the the uh, german slash austrian empire and the russian empire 
and he he wants to set off a world war and how he does so is obviously you know mirroring real life events um he he wants to assassinate archbishop uh, ferdinand of the austro-hungarian empire uh, and that in turn triggers a chain of events which you know leads to to the first world war and uh, you know i thought it was i thought it was done quite well uh, the cast was insane so daniel brew was in there uh, he played um in actually some of the marvel movies and uh, he played uh, in the alienist so some people might know him from that uh, did, did you like the character that they put for rasputin oh rasputin i loved cuz he was <laughs> he was as crazy as you kind of like imagine from folklore if that makes sense what and, if uh... i told you steve that the guy mm-hmm. who played that is the guy who played the lizard in the uh, Amazing Spider-Man. No way. The scientist. I wouldn't think. I yeah. wouldn't afford that. No way. Yeah, That's afford, insane. Right? Wow. Well, you can clearly see that he can actually act because that, that was a, a performance. That was a great performance from him, by the way. It was, yeah. it was very good. Um, he was a shining character, if I'm being honest. Like, even though there's a, you know, there's a main bad guy, for me, he was the bad guy in the film. Um, yeah, he draws you in. His character was very, like, uh, absurd eccentric yeah, but eccentric, it was yeah. yeah it was very good um and they kind of just showed how each one of these bad guys slash villains was working closely within different arms of government mm. uh, whether it be for the king or the czar or whatever and they were influencing events i like the fact it's a bit cheesy but i do enjoy the fact that they brought in like you know very well-known figures like rasputin lenin the guy who shot um the the bishop, bishop. Yeah, yeah yeah and you know sometimes films do that and it feels very like ugh, I mean very cheesy but in this film it felt perfect and the I think it's because of the acting like for example Rasputin was just crazy like he was very out there you know he believed in magic in a sense not really a Christian <laughs> but really he was drugging the king and he was doing drugs he was you yeah. know just sleeping around with women he was trying to sleep with uh, at one point Conrad do you know what I mean he was just a very weird figure but he was just entertaining do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and very, uh, very... Tom Hollander played the king of England he played the czar of Russia and he played the uh, I guess I get the king or prince of, of the German Austrian empire yeah. Um, so it was played by the same actor and the way the movie kind of presented them was they were all kids of um, they were all kids of uh, the the German side of the queen I think yeah yeah basically so they're all cousins mm. which uh, I think is true actually I think it might have been true actually yeah if I'm being honest it is, it's actually true yeah yeah so they, they're kind of warring one another uh, and each one is getting kind of manipulated by their personal evil person uh, and the movie starts off with basically an attempt by the Duke of Oxford, uh, Polly, who is kind of his maid slash, you know, a spy who kind of, again, that, that was actually quite an interesting thing that they've done there with Scholler and Polly. So mm. they're servants. And again, they made a kind of valid criticism of class, which was that because they're servants, they're often um, not seen, which yes. allows them to kind of infiltrate various different departments of government and whatever as just maids and listen in on what's going on so that's their spy network uh and so these guys they all go together to meet rasputin and basically kill him because they know that he's manipulating the russian czar so uh that that is kind of 
I guess, where we first start to see the most action-packed part of the film. Very good choreography. Very it was good choreography, isn't it? Amazing, yeah, because it was mostly like knife fighting. And, you know, you can do it in a way where it's very boring, aka Star Wars-esque, where you're just like smashing, you know, your sword against the other sword. But they, they did it in a very interesting way where the Zar was like dancing throughout and it was just really, really good. Was, you could tell it was very difficult to pull off. He, he was doing, yeah, like he was doing traditional Russian dancing as he was fighting and the music really went well with it. I think they were playing some sort of like Tchaikovsky or whatever in the background and yeah. it, was, it was quite um, interesting. And like they brought in, as you said uh, before, specific aspects of real life history where Rasputin, he eats the poison tart and he immediately throws it up and he doesn't die. And his explanation is every morning I took a bit of poison to make me immune. Well, the real Rasputin did do that. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of brought that into it a little bit. And they had this great fight scene, great choreography, as you said, uh, at the end of which they just shot him dead in the head. And again, when you were watching the film, he really felt like one of the major villains in the, in the movie. So when in the first third of the movie he dies, it ups the stakes because you don't know who's going to go next and exactly. how they're going to die. Um, and then they come back, obviously. And then you see um, the character played by Charles Dance, Arthur, he, uh, the general, he dies. Actually, no, he died before Rasputin. Yeah, so he, his character dies as well. Yeah. Um, and so you're seeing like these big figures up until this point uh, dying in the movie. And as time is going on, the war is becoming more and more problematic for especially the British, because mm. at one point Russia is in the war, one point they're out of the war, which, which just means that, you know, eventually the British Empire is going to fall. They really need to do something about it. What did you think of Conrad? I like the character Conrad. I feel like they, he has that like young naivety. So just for the listeners, Conrad, um, although his mom, he knows how his mom died, etc. You know, he still has the urge to basically support um, the country and get into action. And it, it was actually still commentary on that time where, you know, many, many, and he did say himself, you know, many of the people that joined World War One were underage kids, you know, but they, they just let them through anyway, because they needed men to, to hold the lines. And Conrad was motivated by that. But obviously, his father was not because he promised his mom that he wouldn't see war. Um, hence why he took him on this mission to kind of get him involved in a sense when he went to see Rasputin. Um, but I, I very much liked the character and I, I liked him even further when he went into the trenches uh, later on against his father's wishes. Um, what did you think about that part? Yeah, I just felt like it was the natural progression of things. Like it didn't seem forced. Like you knew this yeah. kid from the first minute he keeps saying, I want to go to war, I want to go to war. I was kind of like, God damn, man, here, fine, just go to war. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then he does go to war. But and, then he um, does go to war and he, they have the whole thing where he trades places with a, with a soldier called Lee, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, who obviously I think is going to be a big part of the franchise going forward. Yeah. Um, and that's how he goes into war because obviously the Duke of Oxford uses his connections with the king and originally with, um, with Arthur to basically stop him from ever seeing the front he goes to war and i thought it was the natural progression of things and i thought it, it, thought mm. it was well written that being said do you want to actually move on to the part where he's in the war yes yes let's go to that yeah. so I, How I, do you feel about it? i love that part uh, I, I thought that was my favorite part actually you know basically uh if a long story short 
we all know the trenches is basically dug out and there's basically people running back and forth trying not to get shot when all all, all likelihood you're going to get shot because it's just a, a firing range um and there's a man uh, running back from the german side they find and he's carrying a very important piece of information it was actually intel to help convince the americans to get into the war uh, which the whole movie revolved around basically convincing americans to get in and um he volunteers as part of the party to go retrieve the um the data which was you know the guy gets shot so he's just in the middle of no man's land and uh, this is where my favorite part comes in so you know they skip forward it's night time and they're quietly creeping you know forward they they exit the trench to go into the battlefield but very silently because they don't want to be heard otherwise the guns will go off and they run into a similar group but of germans that are also looking for the data and it's kind of like a 5v5 but they both signal each other to be silent and i thought that part was hard bro you know when that, i saw that, that choreography gassed. the cinematography of it was fucking brilliant because they mm. the silence added a lot to the scene massive bro the fact that they were silent and they were just basically they all put down their guns at the same time and said okay we're gonna have to do this knife for knife and you see them slowly crawl towards one another it builds up the tension you know mm. and uh I really I like the actor that played the commander that took him into the thing as well. I thought like that was good Very casting good. right there. He really looked the part. Mm. That and being can, said, uh, yeah, go on. I don't know. For me, like even the action at that point, you know, when they start fighting, it, action it, was it, amazing. Yeah. It was the amazing. The choreography of all the fights in this movie was really good. Very good, but like, especially in that scene, it kind of like brings to earth how brutal that war was. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely, one... yeah. When the kid was saying, please don't, please don't. And he was like, I'm sorry. And he just cut his like fucking throat. That's yeah. Damn. And there was that guy with like the hammer. Oh, not hammer. I think it, was it a hammer? I think no, so. he had like had a detachable weapons. arm sort of thing where he could like attach the, the knife to his fist. So he was just punching with the knife, basically. And there was one guy with a shovel, which they actually did use in the war. You know, shovels were designed as melee tools for oh. weaponry. Which oh, is see, very interesting. Yeah. yeah, they did. Uh, they basically made them like swords, but they were like multi. But imagine like you get killed with that weapon. Like how brutal. It... You know, it, it brought it to reality of like what World War One really was like. And it was just a massacre all the way around. It was a horrible war. Um, but in the end, he does. Um, he actually he's about to get killed, comrade. And uh, I believe the sergeant basically shoots uh, a weapon. And that causes, you know, both fronts to wake up. And they start shooting both lines, if that makes sense. Mm, um, that scene was again quite like horrific, but also kind of brought to light just how yeah. crazy that war was. Yeah, uh, it, was it was just yeah. a death sentence if you went over. And um, obviously, Comrade somehow survives that. Um, he actually finds the, the man with the data. The yeah, yeah, but he's lost a leg. I believe he, he got blown up as he was trying to run across. And uh, heroically, he carries the man and the data back to the trench in the end while their side is kind of suppressing fire and you know that felt very not cliched but it's like a good feel do you know what I mean it felt like the hero moment and I really do you know like what that. though look that felt cliche when he was way. running and the bombs were dropping around them I thought okay here we go mm. and then the bomb explodes right next to them and they land in the trenches and mm. the, the agent dies yes I said oh okay what's going on here then he stands up and they say oh you're gonna get across for this and then Someone says, what's your name? He says, my name is Lee. And he says the name of the guy that he replaced. He says, oh, is that your best German? Is that your best Scottish accent? Because he says, I, right? 
And then in that moment is like, for me, the, the part that made the film, which is he gets shot in the fucking head. <laughs> like he dies. The, they kill Conrad yeah. by, by, by uh, Scottish a, a Scottish soldier that's on their side because of this simple misunderstanding. He thought he was a spy. He thought that Conrad was a spy because he saw the spy package in his hand. Like he saw the German package in his hand and thought, oh, this guy's a spy. He's not Lee. He's lying. Shoots mm. him in the head without second thought. Amazing. For me, that makes the film because, again, we're talking about you don't know at which point who's going to die. Exactly. That's what adds to a film. You know what I mean? That was good writing. That was quality. Do you know what I mean? Like They built the character up. The, even he achieved everything he wanted, actually. Because he always said he wanted to get the Iron Cross like his dad. But you didn't expect him to die once he achieved everything that he wanted. <laughs> Especially when he was carrying the guy on his shoulders. I thought, yeah. oh, here we go. It's going to be about him being the hero of the war and all of this. But no, I, he fucking died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I love that. I love that part. And uh, like you said, I think that was a highlight. Yeah, for me, it was between that, that scene and the Rasputin one. But that one was very emotional as well. Because I was like, what? Because I, I was kind of... At that point, I really built a... Re- a emotional rapport with the guy you know mm. after he went over the trenches with that insane fight scene and like you said he was built to be the hero and then boom he's gone but it wasn't in a random way it made sense why he died why someone would shoot him like that um that was very interesting and and obviously his father then falls into depression um although he does have the data back he kind of you know he lost his son and he couldn't convince his mum he, he couldn't keep his mum's promise who said you know, don't let our sons see war. Um, I quite like that as well. Like, you know, it, it really, they developed the characters very well. Yeah. None of them were one-dimensional. They all went through their ups and downs. And I really, really like that. Um, I guess following that, actually, the maid then makes an ultimatum to the father, doesn't she? So she shows him that, look, we have the data, but I'm going to leave because you're not the same man that you were. Mm. And it kind of reveals this hidden, you know, love interest between her and, and yeah, um, yeah. what's it called? Uh, what's his name? The Duke. The Duke, the Duke yeah. of Oxford, yeah. You know, he, she mentioned there's a picture of like his ex-wife and he's, she's like, oh, forgive me, madam, and then goes for a kiss. So I, I quite like that uh, dynamic. Like you could tell there was something there, but not quite. And then they mm. revealed it in a good way, I felt like. So, um, and they didn't focus on it too much. So it was just like a hint. It was a nice hint, but let's move on. Yeah, I mean, it's a time of war. We ain't got time for none of this. They just, you know, got to it. Uh, and then at which point it kind of revealed that uh, the reason why the Americans weren't going into war was because they were getting blackmailed by the, you know, the League of Evil um, with, in essence, a sex tape of the president. And, you know, you might think, well, really, are they actually not going to go to war and let millions die because they don't want to look stupid? Well, you know, <laughs> in real life, Unfortunately, sometimes it is over stupid things like that where big big yeah. decisions are made. So even that, I just thought, you know what? Fair enough. Like I, I actually quite enjoyed that whole storyline um, where it basically in the final act, the whole point is they need to get these, uh, what are they called, Steve? You tell me. Um, negatives. negatives. Yeah. yeah. Negatives of that, that video uh, so that they can convince the Americans to join the war. So if they have the negatives, essentially there's no, there's, there's proof so the negative is the original, and that is the proof that it's actually happened. Um, yeah. If you if you have other videotapes, they're usually copies of the negative, and you can tell that fake. they're copies. Yeah. So you, yeah, people can say that oh, it's a fake or whatever, but the negative is the one that shows up. This is actually 
you know, live footage. So as long as they get rid of the negatives, the rest they can deny. Um, bit of science there. <laughs> but what did you think? So let, let's skip forward. I, I feel like, okay, so they go to fight this guy. They find out he lives on a mountain in Scotland. Um, what did you think of the part where, you know, they parachute off and he's stuck on the, the cliff, you know, trying to climb the cliff? Bro, you know what? Even that was was very interesting like it was just a, it was just a nice scene in terms of the stakes within the movie yeah, um, exactly. i like the way that he put the knife into his shoe and he kind of climbed up and they showed that he saw the goat do it so you know he was like, oh, okay cool i can i can do it too mm-hmm. um i thought it was just like a nice nice little bit that added an extra bit of tension before you got to the inevitable you know final showdown between him and the, the shepherd yeah um I like there's a bit of a comedy element with a goat as yeah, well. Yeah, it was quite nice. funny. Yeah. The way the goat tried to headbutt him off the cliff and he, he kind of stroked his head. Yeah. Um, All right, let's quite, get down to the final it. scene. Let's yeah. go down to the final scene. Let's skip and look at the baddie. What did you think of the bad guy? Yeah, so obviously the big reveal was that um, the bad guy was actually uh, Morton, who was the right-hand man of the general called Arthur. Um and this whole time he was kind of playing the field, basically. He was like the snake in the grass, which to be fair, I thought Captain Morton died on the ship with Arthur. So it would it did kind of catch me off guard. Like it might seem like a cliche thing, because mm. you did you did they did kind of make it seem like yeah, Morton might be the mole for the bad guy, but mm. you didn't think he was the bad guy, if that makes sense. Mm. So and you know, Matthew Good again, a very good actor. So the cast was in this film was brilliant. Um and yeah, it kind of, he just kind of done the big reveal because throughout the film, you didn't actually see who the bad guy was. But I don't know. I had an issue with the ultimate bad guy. Mm, like, why? I don't feel like he was the bad guy. I felt like he was a side character in the whole film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't... Rasputin I, felt more like the main villain. Yeah, they sh- I think they should have done a thing where, you know, you know, we know Rasputin was a side guy, side guy, and then suddenly he becomes the main villain. I would have preferred that because yeah. I wasn't excited by the final fight because you had so much, you know, ups and downs. You were waiting for this to outdo it. And it, for me, it just didn't do it. I wasn't interested in the character. It was just, yeah, I, I don't know. I felt like I was watching, you know, the side character that should have been earlier on and not at the end. That's my personal feeling. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I definitely think that the, um, the final fight in comparison to the other, you know, major bits of the film, so the Rasputin parts, the part with Conrad at war, I do think that it, was, it wasn't it was as big as those other parts uh, in the movie. Like, I didn't think it was as as, as good, per se. But um, I didn't dislike it. And I like the way that they done the, the sword fight scene with, like, the kind of the GoPro cameras from the sword's point of view. Again, the cinematography of it was quite good because you saw it kind of from the angle of where mm. he's holding the sword and how their swords clash and there's like the sparks flying from the swords. Yeah, um, the choreography in this was very, very good. Like very good, especially because you didn't watch the original as well. You must mm. be... Like in the original, there's even crazier uh, choreography. So, um, you know, it was, it, it was very good. And I have to say, you know, Ralph Fiennes is an older actor. Mm. And he, he he's just it was the choreography and everything was just believable, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like for an older actor, you you felt like, oh yeah, he could actually, you know, like he he as the leading man at 59 years old, mm. you know, he done really well. Um, done 100%. And I do he, like to see yeah. that sort of thing. An older actor getting given the chance to be the main guy in a movie like this, where it's a believable 
like he wasn't he wasn't overpowering anyone you know what i mean he didn't like with the scene where uh you know they had you had the big guy in the elevator oh yes it's not like he was he was going toe to toe with him and wrestling him to the floor like no he was kind of like surviving yeah yeah he was kind of just surviving it was just just kind of showing how a fight could be choreographed where it's yeah it's not believable but at the same time it has an element of believableness to it like when you see arnold schwarzenegger at 70 years old taking on a mr olympia who's 20 years old and just beating him up through pure strength you're thinking well that's not really realistic is it (laughs) <laughs> but with yeah, this like there's sword fighting yeah the sword fighting is super intricate but it's still to an extent believable um mm-hmm. you have to suspend some belief obviously but i just like the way it was choreographed i like the way that they took into account that he's an older man and they've done it in that way um i just thought it was very good and obviously you had the final fight scene and then he had the whole part where uh he he was holding on to him through his scarf and he said, oh, you're a pacifist. There's no way you could let me die. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, and it just, for me, it just made sense where he was like, well, no, actually, I, he just fucking killed him. <laughs> like, yeah, just, yeah, but pretty much. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that because I don't like it when they do these endings where the good guy is like so good. He's almost he's almost godlike. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah. this guy's caused the death of millions. He's got to die. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to just let him live. But um, we all know he's going to come back. I don't know, man. I don't was... know, though. They seemed very done. Like, he literally... Like, they showed was... his impact to the floor. Do you know what I mean? But that was too intentional. I feel like I they, they, they did that, but they didn't need to do it. And I, I think feel like... he's dead. But, Steve, we didn't watch... When you and I went the first time, there was a post credit scene, which we didn't watch. Ah. But I watched it the second time I went to watch the film. Mm. And actually, at the very end... Okay, well, first of all, in the very end of the film, not post credit scene, you see that... He, you know, in the beginning, they introduced the story where his son says, Oh, you're Arthur, you're Merlin, you're whatever. And he kind of he buys the the tailors where he bought his son the suit. He says, This is going to be our headquarters. He brings the king, he brings the guy that took his son's plate, like that his son took the place of in the war. He brings through Shola and everything. And they kind of introduce where these names came from because in the original films, obviously, there's a there's people who've got these code names, Galahad and blah yeah. blah, and this and that. Um, and so they kind of introduce that aspect of it. So they create the Kingsman at the end of the film. Yeah, uh, like and, that. and that kind of sets the premise for, you know, going forward, this is what we're going to do, which makes me think that there's probably going to be sequels to this film. Um, but yeah, anyway, in the post credit scene, you see Lenin uh, saying, oh, I told you we have a strong left, but now we need a strong right. And then they introduce him to Adolf Hitler. Oh, right. <laughs> so uh, it seems like they're going to do the next movie based on the Second World War, which I guess would make sense. That makes sense, yeah. Um, and that'll be really, least, very good. I think yeah, that's or at least into the build-up of the, you know, the, yeah. um, the, the what do you call it? The Second World War. The Second War. World War, yeah. So, yeah, I thought... Um, All right, ratings. Let's go straight to ratings. Let's just go straight to ratings, man. I thought this was a very, very good film. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think if you said to me, did you feel ripped off having paid for it? I'll tell you absolutely not. I thought it was a great film. Um, I went and watched it twice. Sure, I've got a limitless card, so I didn't necessarily pay for it specifically. But if I had to, I would have. Um, really enjoyed it. Great cinematography. You know, it was a well-flowing story. It wasn't. It didn't feel like the pacing mm-hmm. was off. I would give it a solid, solid... Eight or nine out of ten. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I think I agree. Like most of the characters were very solid. The pacing was very good. The kind of historical throwback element, you know, looking at the Boer War, looking at 
the India uh, moment, looking at World War One, you know, the brutality, kind of bring, bridging fantasy and uh, reality. It was kind of like the mix of two. Really enjoyed that. The only thing that I didn't like was the main uh, baddie. That was the only thing. I feel like he was a wasted character. And so I have to take it back a notch a little bit. And I would give it, let me give it a 7.5. I'd give it a 7.5. Yeah, so I mean, I guess we can just say it's like a, if I said like. I think an 8. I think an 8. Yeah, I think fair. it's about an 8. Do you know what I mean? It's an 8 out of 10, which is a good, re- like, good review from us. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of people criticize the film because obviously they just felt like, oh, you're taking real life elements, but you're, you know, bastardizing it and this and that. But, you know, it's a, it's not meant to be a historical fact. It's just, it kind of leans on some stuff of the past. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm looking at some of the reviews here. So IMDb gave it a 6.8. Mm. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 42%. And Metacritic wow. gave it 44%, which I really don't understand. Because these same people gave it gave the Matrix movie, which we really didn't like, about 60%. So industry saying, plants. This is, yeah, this is this is insane to me. I don't agree with these ratings at mm. all. Mm. Um, but 85% of Google users did like the film. So that so, yeah, that's, that, that seems like the most real like assessment. Maybe the rest were by critics that have, you know. I think the 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 regular people who watched it didn't like kind of oh no, actually the what happened in the war was this and that. That seems to be the major criticism, which again I'm like, well, it, it's fictional, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know what the kind of general reviews from the critics are. Um, me personally, like I said, I really enjoyed it. And I think the 85% Google users like this film kind of would be how I would view the film myself, to be honest. I think mm. it's around the 80s, 8% or 8 out of 10s. Um, I thought it was a great film. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't have felt ripped off if I went and paid for it. Definitely, yeah. So I guess, yeah, there we go. 8 out of 10 for... Uh, and I forgot the name of the film. <laughs> Oh, the Kingsman. The Kingsman, yep. And uh, hopefully, there's a new one that comes out, and we'll be able to review that for you. So, thanks for listening, guys, and thanks for listening to the previous episode. Hopefully, on the Matrix. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed that, and we're now coming into the New Year's. Um, you know, new New Year, new us, and hopefully, we can bring you more content and maybe more stuff into the future. So, keep an eye out for us, and we'll see you soon. Uh, Steve, why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand? That was bloody brilliant.